0: You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 37, Cultivating Your Village series, part two. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, I'm so excited for part two of Cultivating Your Village. But before we jump into that, I just wanna let you guys know that we have put a subscribe email button on our website. So if you're new to this podcast and aren't familiar, uh, you can go to mominspiredshow.com. It will be on the main page. And I would love for you guys to sign up. And that way you'll get notified for new episodes and also when new series will be coming out. Because Melissa and I have been talking about creating some more because we're getting such positive feedback. So make sure you go and do that at mominspiredshow.com. So moving on to today's episode, we talk about our expectations and how unmet expectations can kill a relationship. I don't know about you, but I definitely have seen this happen where someone is thinking one way and another person is thinking another and it's not matching up and they both really care for one another, but the relationship ends. And I think all too often it's easy to think someone thinks like us. And if they do something that we wouldn't do, then we internalize that, that they don't like us. And we have to realize We all grew up in different families and have different ways of showing love. And you have to figure that out from the beginning, what those expectations are so that you're on the same page. So we would really love to hear from you guys after this episode, you can go to the mom inspired show Facebook group and leave us a comment and we will write back to you. And we just want to hear your thoughts and, you know, what kind of things you're dealing with, with expectations and how that has played a role with finding your um, village. So, please feel free to share this with your friends. We're getting a lot of positive feedback and we just are really excited to share this journey with you. And we really pray that you two will have a village that you can call your own. Let's go to the show. Melissa, welcome back to our series on cultivating your village.
1: So exciting to do this with you. I'm excited for part two. Yes.
0: Yeah, so part two is what are your expectations in regards to cultivating your village?
1: Absolutely. And- Unmet expectations are relationship killers, especially for women. I find women really struggle across the board. Me being one of them was identifying what my expectations were and that there were things that maybe I was doing with my expectations to sabotage relationships. You know, I I learned something really important years ago, and it, it was for me not to put expectations on others that I would not want others to put on me. It's understanding and knowing my own limits and respecting the fact that other people have their limits too.
0: Oh yeah. And and also too, I think when um you're thinking about your expectations for cultivating your village and, you know, just finding that inner circle of kind of what what you said on part one is the rings, you know, there's different rings of a tree. And so if you're looking at your inner ring, I feel like some people are going to have different expectations on those close friends. They may not have that on the outer rings, you know. They're kind of like, "Oh yeah, you know, well they're on the outer." Right. So you let them slide and all that kind of stuff. But I realized that there are you know, people obviously show friendship in totally different ways. And I think you have to realize what are the expectations of yourself and what are your expectations of that friend. And you know, if that person wants to do dinner at your house every night, and you're kind of like um, doing it once a week is going to be like a lot, that's going to be an issue. So it's something that you really need to talk about because if not, that could actually be the thing that ends up tearing you apart because that one person's going to feel rejected and the other person's going to feel like they're smothered right. even though they really enjoy each other.
1: Absolutely. So I've identified in my research in just the last few years that I've really been studying this and understanding how to cultivate... A village mm-hmm. is. I think there's three uh, key reasons why we struggle with expectations, and the first one is we think others think like us. We think other people think like we do. Oh yeah, and what we're not recognizing is we were all raised in a different family by different parents, different people with you know different values, different views of life, and so what seems logical to us has to seem logical to somebody else. And we get that idea in our head, yeah. and we really go with it. And our expectations cause us to develop emotions. So if we're feeling a certain way about something, then it's gotta be truth, right, Amber? Mm -hmm. Right, so our emotions are not reliable because they can change in an instant. And watch any three-year-old, and you will see emotions can change in an absolute instant. So we can't rely on our emotions Uh, to be our moral compass. We had talked about the moral compass, using that moral compass to find the who of our village, especially that most intimate core. But your emotions can't dictate that. They can't be the one to steer the moral compass about any situation or circumstance. We have to recognize that it's the Holy Spirit's job and it's not our job. I believe the second one is that we have ulterior motives. And as innocent as our motivation may appear, because of our human condition and how frail we are in our human condition, we do harbor a desire for a certain outcome. And it's usually one that agrees with our stand in something. It's hard. wanting control, um, an outcome raises our expectations and it paves the way for us to have judgmental thoughts and opinions. yeah, on people on things, on situations, on a circumstance, uh, having ulterior motives can be really innocent. It can start off very innocently. And the problem is, is we often don't recognize it when it's sneaking up and it's something's kind of bothering us and we don't we don't yeah. notice, we don't see the red flags that may be right. going up. Um, we've all been in a situation where we saw it going one way and then it doesn't and it goes a completely another way. And then we get emotional about it. So it starts this cycle, this emotional cycle. And the third one is insecurity and fear of change. So when we judge others, quite often, Amber, we're judging something that we don't like about ourselves. Yeah. Or there's something that's uh, sending off, again, a red flag's going up. And we can sense that something's not right and we don't like it within ourselves. So seeking feedback Maybe because we want validation or approval from somebody. And sometimes we can react so strongly when we don't receive what we need. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I was going to go back to,
0: I gave the example um, with having, you know, weekly dinners. And I know you do weekly dinners and stuff. But have you ever experienced a relationship where your guys' expectations were totally different? And did it tear you apart? Or were you guys able to work it through?
1: No, absolutely. Uh, There are, uh, unfortunately, I mean... I think everyone has relationships in their lives uh that they just recognize that the boundaries were getting crossed. Right. Um something that I do quite often when I have a relationship or a friendship with somebody and it's a new relationship or a new friendship is right off the bat I will say to this person. And I have I probably have good friends who are listening to this series and they're listening to me and they're like that's me. I know she was talking to me. <laughs> When I'm right up front, because we had talked in part one about social media. We had touched on that with social oh, yeah. media. Right. I'm terrible with like me- like the messenger, like the Facebook oh, messenger. Yeah. And I'll be weeks and weeks behind. Oh, yeah, like
0: you did with, you know, Stacey yeah. yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So catching messages from people yeah. and text messages. That's a big one for me. And so so I have a friend who does YouTube and she has a successful show and she vlogs every single day. Uh, she homeschools her six kids. That's I mean, that's crazy town Uh on most days. So when we had started connecting in our friendship, I had said to her, listen, uh, if you don't get if you text me and I don't text you back right away, it's not personal.
0: Yeah, that's good that you told her that.
1: Right. I'm not attached to my phone. And I think it was a sigh of relief. I I could I could actually see in her eyes like, (gasps) you know, like the heavens opened and she felt at this glorious peace because she could say to me. I homeschool six kids yeah. and I YouTube every day and it's like a job for her. Yeah, and I'm busy. I'm really busy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not attached to my phone either. And yeah. if you text me, you know, I may not be able to get back to you for like, you know, 48 hours. Sure. There was a mutual understanding. Yeah. So I've told lots of friends that like it's never personal. Yeah. It's life. Yeah. You know, I'm home. I got little kids running around my feet and yeah. dinner's going and the yeah. laundry's going and yeah. I'm trying to answer emails and mm-hmm. I just don't have time for everything. Uh, no one does. Nobody yeah. does. Right. But unfortunately, you know, I've been on that side where I've hurt people. Yeah. Because they've reached out to me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get back to them.
0: Yeah. You need a, you need like an automatic text response saying, hi, I've gotten your message and I will be responding back to you within 48 hours. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Just
1: just like an email. I am currently out out of the 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 office. office. Yeah. And I will get back to you. And I will get back to you. (laughs) Absolutely. So, you know, and that all goes back to, we think others think as we do. Yep. We have an ulterior motive. Yeah. And we're insecure sometimes.
0: So with the ulterior motive, you know, one thing that stands out to me is um, uh, you know, having your needs met. And that may not even be intentional. I think that might be in the in the background of your mind. And so I'm just thinking, how do you genuinely go about it without ever kind of thinking about yourself? And also, was there any other ulterior motives that you could think of um in regards to this?
1: Or were you thinking um people are generally trying to get their needs met? I think that it generally we're trying to get our needs met. I mean, if you're having a relationship with somebody who has an ulterior motive to benefit themselves constantly, so you're constantly giving and they're just constantly receiving your giving, yeah. but there's no give and take in sure. the relationship, that to me would be a, a flag that that's maybe not somebody that you should be having in your intimate circle, in the intimate yeah. ring yeah. of your village. Right. It's got to be a give and take relationship. Yeah the point being uh, you know there's a really great book and i i can't remember the author's name but it's a book called his needs her needs mm-hmm. it's understanding yeah. that we all have different needs and you know the same way that we a husband has needs and a wife has needs in a relationship and a friendship one friend has needs and the other friend has needs so the i think the only way that you can really do that successfully and avoid the pitfall of having ulterior motives is knowing what your needs are, yeah. and making them realistic. So I have a really close friend, Erin, who is very vocal about her needs. She needs to talk. She needs to talk things out. And she she's like, self proclaimed I will talk in circles until I can talk my way out of it, mm. talk my way through it, and have a basic understanding. Yeah. So I know when she's going through something, I need to be a good listener. Mm. I yeah. can't talk over her. Yeah. And or I try to give her advice maybe. or try to give her advice yeah. or, or, you know, yep. uh, or dismiss mm-hmm. what she's feeling. Yeah. I need to be a good listener. Yeah. And then what happens is she's gotten to know me in a way that she understands what m- what my needs are mm-hmm. and she understands those boundaries and she yeah. fills my needs. Yeah. But you're never going to have both of your, I I don't think you're ever going to have both of your needs filled at the same time. No. It's all—it's like a
0: marriage, right? Yes.
1: It's all give and take, yeah. But and it so, just shouldn't be all on one side the whole time, right? Yeah, right. So, someone who may have ulterior motives—that's not healthy—is a person who manipulates any situation or circumstance so that they benefit in the end. Yeah, I agree. Right, yep. and unfortunately, so many of us have been in that relationship oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and had that friendship, yeah, where we felt manipulated or used. Right, like you only call me. When you need something, when you need me to physically be there or pick up the pieces for you or, you know, do something for you. But there's there's no give and take back. Oh, yeah. Right. Those are obvious. Yeah. Very obvious. Yeah. So the way that we need to understand what's not so obvious is knowing what our basic needs are. Yeah. And what we need in a friend.
0: Right. No, I agree. Yeah. I think that's good. And so do you want to talk a little bit about the insecurity and fear of change in regards to what are your expectations?
1: Right. So um, again, when we judge other people and we become very judgmental, we're often judging something we don't like about ourselves. And I remember years ago when I first became a mom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think as a mom, you you have to learn there are certain hills you're going to die on and other ones that you're just not. Right. And so both of my daughters loved their... Uh, we call them soothers, pacifiers, passies. passies. Yeah. passies. Mm-hmm. And they they were addicted to them. Yeah. And that was just a hill I was not gonna die yeah. I knew my kid was not gonna go to kindergarten with a yeah. passy in right. her mouth. Yeah. But when my eldest daughter was young, I was I would host a playgroup at mm-hmm. my house and there was a, a large group of, of friends that would get together for this playgroup. And we got together every week. And, you know, my daughter was just over a year and she had been toddling around, crawling around. She had her pacifier in her mouth. And someone whom I felt was a really good friend to me seemed to be in a bit of a mood that day. And she looked at my daughter and she said, every time I see that pacifier in her mouth, I want to rip it off her face. Oh, my gosh. Talk about aggressive. It was aggressive. And it hurt yeah. so bad yeah. because I was a new mom. Right. And I thought, oh my goodness, like I'm doing something wrong. Yep. I'm not supposed to let her have this. I should have broken her from this. What yep. other things am I doing wrong? Right. And she had called me out on that pacifier in front of our entire group of friends. And it it took some time. And unfortunately, it really hurt the relationship. But I really came to this place Where when I was praying about it and I was praying about the hurt that I was feeling that God had showed me she wasn't judging me for something that I was doing because I was wrong for doing it. She was judging me because there was something in her that she didn't like about herself. Yeah. It may Mm -hmm. not have been a pacifier in her home. Right. It could have been anything that she realized she didn't have a foothold on. Yeah. And it just came out and I was the end of the line Mm. and something nasty happened. Yeah. And when I could recognize that and realize that it really didn't have anything to do with me, I could easily forgive and let it go. Yeah. And that's hardcore for us is our insecurities can make us do really harsh things sometimes. Yeah. And our ugly, the ugly mom. Right. Will come out. And sometimes, as moms, we have to recognize uh, our insecurities, especially in relationships and friendships, affect our kids. And our kids are watching us. I have two daughters, as do you. They mimic me and imitate me constantly. Mm -hmm. And this is where, you know, No Girl Behind, Leave No Girl Behind, that we had talked about in my episode, Mm -hmm. came from as well. Right where I realized my daughters were gonna learn how to have healthy friendships and cultivate their village yeah. by watching the village that mom had around her. Exactly, yeah. And my insecurities could not dictate the way that I treated people in my village.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that also does put pressure on you though, because you are wanting to set the right tone and you realize it goes back to the expectations, right? Where you were saying we didn't grow up in the same families. So if you didn't have a lot of people come over to your house then you don't really know how that really works, right? Or if you did have a lot of people in your house, then you may expect other people to just understand how that works and whatnot. So it just kind of, it it makes you think, how do you want to raise your kids in in regards to them making friends and building a village later on and equipping them with the right skills? And that means that you need to get through your own stuff. So that you can be a good example as, and that can feel stressful because that does feel like a lot of pressure, but I feel like it's a great gift that you can give your children later on down the road.
1: Absolutely. And you know, it's key about that, Amber, and your point was like, it was awesome because it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. It takes one experience at a time. right? So, you know, you had made a reference before that we do family dinners all the time. Yeah. Okay, so this is really interesting. I There are so many women that I know that really struggle opening up their front door and letting people in because, and I've actually heard these things out of the mouths of friends of mine. I don't have nice things. Mm. I don't have nice dishes.
0: I would almost say that's actually a good thing because then you don't worry if people break them. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> I have to have a clean house. You know, I, I, I don't know how to make the time and balance everything. Or they don't know how to cook. They don't know I how to like cook. I
0: feel like that's a big one or... Or they're afraid, and you and I were talking about this yesterday, right? If So many people have special needs with food these days. Yes. And that alone could stress somebody out. Like, if you have somebody who's like, I can't have eggs, I can't have gluten, I can't, you're like, I don't know what to feed you. I, I don't know what to do. But you don't want to exclude them, right? So right. everything you're saying and, and more are enough reasons to go, uh, I don't know, I'm going to fail this, they're not going to like it, or... Whatever. And it could be the other way. You know how you said you didn't have, you don't have the nice stuff? You could have such a beautiful home that you don't want people to come in and ruin it. Absolutely. So you it, don't want
1: to have to sweep your floor when you're done. Well, or-
0: yeah. And I mean, or you don't, you know, we were talking about, um, uh, you know, people if they've had accidents in the house and stuff like that. And, you know, so it's all those things that I feel like can keep people from. Not opening their front
1: door it keeps them in their fishbowl
0: yeah and so um i i do agree with that and i think that it's such a big deal but going back to what you were saying that you know women have all these reasons not to do it what do you think made you be so brave to just be like i'm just opening this door everybody come on in because that does seem to be your strength so mm-hmm. what would you say to everybody who
1: has all this list of reasons why i did not come in your lists are often your excuses they're not reasons We can justify anything that we want to. Yeah. But the bottom line is we were created for relationship and to break bread with one another. And our children need to learn how to have healthy relationships with other people. I understand that it's not realistic for a lot of people based on schedules. Something's got to give. Right. And so for us, um our church is really important to us and I teach at the, our youth group program on Wednesday nights. So, you know, my two little girls are in piano lessons, one's in piano, one's in gymnastics. Mm. I schedule them on the same day. Yeah. And then there's one other night out of of the week that we're out and that's for youth group. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, we're taking little kids from our neighborhood yep. and we're bringing them to, to church with us, which has been amazing.
0: Do you want to tell that van story? I mean, in the shorter version, the
1: shorter version, Yeah, this is a
0: great story. So that's why I wanted her to share it with us.
1: Okay. So it's been about a year and a half and I had been praying. I didn't want a mom van. Let's just be honest. None of us want a mom van. We love
0: the practicality of it. I don't have one, but we love the practicality. I love the sliding door. Yes. I I just love that. We don't have that, but I, I mean, I just love that. We, we've been able to um, borrow one from Todd's work um, and to go on vacation. I'm like, Oh the sliding door, they, they can just get on in.
1: Absolutely. So I know
0: what you mean, but go ahead. Yeah.
1: So my nine-year-old daughter has an evangelistic heart, and she's constantly inviting friends from the neighborhood and friends from school to church to youth group. But we have an SUV that could barely fit the two car seats in the back. She's still in a booster because she's so tiny. And so for a year and a half, I had been praying and saying to the Lord, if you want me to drive kids to church, I need a van. Well, my husband didn't want to drive a van either. So, you know, we're a family that's committed to being a one-car family, and that's all we need.
0: We'll just say that your husband works from home, so that really helps, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And so we just, you know, live our life based on what we need. And so we're a one-car family. My husband didn't want to drive a van. So for a year and a half, I just kept praying about it, saying, Lord, if you want me to drive kids to church, you got to give me a van. So I had this idea in my head of, like, how I would have to get a van, because we have a a car that's from the dealership that's still under warranty because it's only three years old. And so I knew that it would have to be crazy that the dealership's gonna want our car back for some reason. And so every time I'd think about it every once in a while, and every time my, my daughter would invite a new kid uh, to get in, to come to church with us, I would just lift up a prayer to heaven. And so sure enough, it was just a couple of weeks ago my husband gets a letter from the dealership that they want our car back and we could come in and pick out a new car. My husband had a softening in his heart. And so we went into the dealership, and we sat down for almost two and a half hours. And we sat down with the the owner and uh, the guy who was selling us the vehicle, and we test drove this like beautiful, beautiful van. And it was it was it was everything and more that we could have wanted in this van. And my husband turned and he said, "On one condition, you have to match my car payment." See, we want to be we're working towards being debt free. We were paying off this car, yeah, and so. You know, the expectation is we're not going to go outside of what we're comfortable with and outside of our boundaries. And we recognize that. So uh, he came back and he said, I'm so sorry, but we just can't, we just can't meet you with what you're expecting. And so my husband shook his hand and said, Well, thank you very much for your time and left the dealership. Well, you know, my husband was back a few days later because he was having something done on the car and he was sitting in the lobby in the waiting room. And this gentleman that had been helping us with the car, he was a young guy, and he came up to my husband and he said, oh, he said, Mr. Sharp, he said, you know, it hasn't sat right with me all weekend. It bothered me that I felt like there was more that we could have done for you and your loyalty to our company. Will you give me another chance and see what I can do to work out this van? My husband said, sure, but you've got to meet me where I'm at. And sure enough, he came back and he met my husband's expectation. Because uh, we weren't going to step outside of of what we were comfortable with. And my husband sat there and he went, oh, man, this means I got to drive a van. Like God answered my wife's prayer. And now she's driving all these kids to church. That's so funny. and Right. And so it was was kind of funny. um, But that was a realistic expectation. I wasn't going to have to like reconfigure my life to make something happen. Oh yeah. Uh I had to to take it to God and say, "Okay, if this is how we're building our village and cultivating mm-hmm. our village by letting in the little children, yeah. you're going to have to make it happen." Yeah. I love it.
0: I'm glad you shared that. Um, I wanted to get back to where we left off. So I think that was the four negative emotions of expectations. Have we touched base on that yet?
1: No. So, you know, what I've identified, what what we go through uh, is four negative emotions of these expectations. And the first one is anger. So when we're prevented from seeing our expectations realized, we often respond with anger We can see that in our own marriages quite often, but for some reason, we don't recognize that they also happen in friendships and relationships. We experience sadness. We get hurt and it makes us sad and we, we don't realize that we start to allow that sadness to produce a harvest of hurt that just keeps going and going. We struggle with anxiety, so this can be a huge emotional pitfall for us. We may feel this way if we're uncertain of what somebody else's expectations are because we haven't discussed them, and then we feel shame. So when, it, when it's clear to us that we failed to meet somebody else's expectation, we feel shame, and that's an emotion that can take over. You know, we do have three responses in our back pocket. Amber, we need to recognize that we can say, I will do the best that I can. I'm sorry. I just can't do it. Or can we meet in the middle? And you can negotiate the expectations in any relationship because they have to be expressed. Right. They have to be realistic. You have to understand that they can be negotiated. You have to identify them. You know, you have to express what they are. You need to know what the focus is, not the problem, or you need to focus on the problem and not the person. Right. You need to listen and you need to work to resolve them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
1: That's absolutely critical.
0: Yeah. And, you know, when you brought up anxiety, um, this kind of made me think of something. Um, I noticed that, you know, there's, you know, uh, many people battle with anxiety and depression. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I feel like um, when you're open about it, I feel like it sets an expectation for the other person to understand you better instead of hiding it. Because a lot of times, if you're dealing with that, you may kind of close off a little bit, right? And so talking about expectations, you could then think as the other person that they don't like you or you've done something wrong. Because I've experienced this not in an inner circle, but maybe in a, you know, maybe that fifth ring or something like that, okay? And then you can think, and I've had other people reference Um, somebody saying, "Oh, do they not like me?" And I'm like, "Oh, no! I think they definitely like you." And I think them being open about dealing with depression, anxiety, it lets the other people know, like, you know what, they're they're struggling with this, and so it probably has nothing to do with you because how many times have you um saw someone or and they were in a certain mood and or just kind of you know being more withdrawn. And you're like, what did I do? Mm-hmm. Did I say something? Did I do something? Mm-hmm. And then you run this script in your head. And then you're kind of like, and then you pull away, mm-hmm. right? And so the the only reason I'm, I'm pointing that out is because we talked about anxiety. And I know that that's not what we were referencing itself. It just stood out to me about the expectations. And that if you deal with anxiety or depression, I would encourage you to be honest with people. And I, and you know, when anybody has told me that they struggle with that, I just have a lot of empathy for them. And if and if you talk to somebody that doesn't, then they really don't need to be your friend, you know? And so then that helps me understand what's going on. And I'll use me as an example. Um, I don't have that issue, but I have adrenal issues. And so when Melissa came, I'm like, I just want to let you know, it's not that I don't care, but I do need to go to bed at a certain time. I'm like, or I'm going to be completely useless the next day. And so I wanted her to know, hey, it's not that I don't want to hang out with you, but if I don't get enough sleep and I don't go to bed at a certain time, I know she thinks it's funny because it's like I'm a grandma going to bed, but I've learned this enough about my body that if if we want to be able to do this podcast, I need to be able to get sleep and um, not be dragging on the floor. And so <clears throat> I could look at that as a weakness. Or I could just look at it, hey, this is what I'm dealing with right now, and I just want you to know so that you're not thinking I'm blowing you off. And so that just goes back to the expectations, right? I'm setting it up front mm-hmm. so that you're not like, did I do something? Like, mm-hmm. she's totally leaving me. I-, I could totally hang out till 1 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as we close, um, did you want to um, share with us like, um, you know, anything else in
1: regards to uh, you know, the emotions of the expectations? Just recognizing that you're going to have them. You know, first and foremost, you need to understand that you're going to have them. They're going to rear their ugly heads sometimes at the most inconsiderate moments. And so is the other person's yeah, emotions. Exactly. But we can't allow our emotions to dictate the moral compass. And, you know, I really want to go back to that anxiety and depression. And, you know, we all have friends in our in our village and in our community who struggle with that. And it's important and it's very serious. Um for those people who are struggling, I just want to encourage you that the more you, I want you to understand that when you open up and you're vulnerable about it, yeah, recognize that the people that you're being vulnerable with mm-hmm. are often the ones that'll be a part of your healing. Yes. Yeah. And that it's, you will get better. Yeah. There is a process to healing. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, there's uh, there's a point where That bond of trust can become so deep and so wide. You never thought that it would happen. Yeah. And that's your support system. Yeah. Those are the people who are going to love you when you're at your lowest lows and your highest highs. Yeah. And the way that they view you listen, we all have our own stuff. Sure. Yeah. Don't hide it. Yeah. Just embrace it and understand it's all part and parcel to life. yeah. And there's not a single person that walks this earth that doesn't have a struggle of their own.
0: Oh, exactly. And I do want to add too, since moms are listening to this, you know, postpartum depression, right? So even if you don't deal with it on a daily basis, but you're going through something, let somebody know that you trust, you know, let them know so that they can love on you and be there for you. And if you just need to bawl your eyes out or whatever, and that they can just sit there and listen, you know, I think a lot of times we just try to be like, you know what, we're just going to you know, make, you know, get through all of this. And so I think it's really wise to be able to share that with somebody. And so that somebody can really just come around you and help you out, you know, if it's helping out with, you know, your kids or holding the baby, you know, and um, maybe taking the baby on the walk or something like that. These are the expectations that we're talking about that, you know, be, being open and honest so that it can Mm -hmm. set, the expectations for the relationship because a lot of times if you don't know enough information about that person it's hard to even know what the expectations are
1: absolutely and i just want to close with this love is not a warm fuzzy feeling it is the most vulnerable action of the heart yeah it may not always feel good yeah But the person who receives it Mm -hmm. will feel the goodness of it. Yeah,
0: exactly. Well, Melissa, thanks so much for coming on the show. And you guys, make sure to listen to next week's episode on part three of where and with whom do we invest the greatest amount of our time with cultivating our village. And there you have it. Hey, you guys, just a reminder to head on over to mominspiredshow.com to go and subscribe to our email list so that you get notifications when all the new episodes come out and when all the new series are coming out. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and we'll see you next week.